This is Five on Three. Center ice for all things Islanders, Rangers, and all news across the NHL on WFUV Sports. Welcome into Five on Three. Maddie, thoughts on Rupe Hints? Uh, Ace of Spades is great. Okay, that's enough. Welcome <laughs> into another episode of Five on Three. Clearly, Maddie knows that Rupe Hints is referred to as the Ace of Spades. What country is Rupe Hints from? I don't know, but he plays for the Dallas Stars. Oh, no, isn't he like Lithuanian or something weird? Finnish, same thing. Chris Percy, shout out Chris Percy Einan. That's great. Yeah, I Googled that in Starbucks today. <laughs> so, great start. <laughs> this is the Rupe Hints episode. No, I'm just kidding. Welcome into another episode of Five on Three. It is Friday, January 19th. It's like 5.45 p.m., so a nice little early evening. Uh, recording today is was snowing all day, so it kind of just felt like a good day to talk about hockey, a very wintry mix in the air. It's been pretty cold here in the Bronx, a lot of snow. I'm here with Will Jing. I'm here with Maddie Bamonte. I already got to hear Maddie Bamonte, you know, inform the world that she is aware of the existence of Rupe Hints. I'll I'll pass it over to you, Will Jing. How you doing today, my man? I'm doing very good, uh, despite the fact that it's been snowing and I've just had snow on my face all day. I had classes both here in the Bronx and at the Lincoln Center campus in Manhattan, so just traveling through the snow, but uh, I'm really happy to be here, although the Rangers suck, and you know, I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about that shortly, but I, I, I just had to get it out there to Wasted get no it off time. my chest before we really get into it. Wasted no time getting out there. Nah, Maddie, enough about the Rupe Hints talk. How how are you? How are things over in... Uh... How are things over in Carolina? I actually am so glad you asked because I happen to have pulled it up right in front of me <laughs> <laughs> in preparation for when you asked me. And let me tell you, Jack, my birthday week has been great, especially because the eve of my birthday was hallmarked by a hurricane's loss. Sounds typical for me, so. Did they really lose on your birthday again? If the Hurricanes are good at one thing, it's losing on the 15th to the 16th of January. Can you just, I know you've talked about it in past episodes, for, but just for any new listeners, can you just explain sort of the love-hate relationship between Maddie Bamonte's birthday and the Carolina Hurricanes? Yeah, that's great. So about when I was seven years old, I attended my first Carolina Hurricanes game. Uh, I was very excited. Uh, actually, no, I was eight because I had just gotten out of my car seat for the first time. So that was really exciting. Uh, I got to ride to the game without my car seat. So I was like really pumped. I had my foam finger. I had my t-shirt. I had everything. I had an Eric Stahl t-shirt at the time. Eric um, Stahl. Wow. And it was a black t-shirt with the logo. Um, was very excited. And they lost. Um, and so my parents took me next year to go see them play. And then they lost again. And then they were like, what's one more time? And then lost again. And so ever since, uh, I just feel like my childhood took a beating and I could not return to what formerly was RBC Arena to now PNC Arena um, without some kind of uh, sadness to overtake me. And it's I'm happy to report that the Hurricanes have once again fulfilled their my birthday wish of losing. You know, PNC Arena, you can also see Travis Scott for $15, I hear. Did you know that? It, it, we were uh, during Travis Scott's tour when he played at the Carolina Hurricanes Arena. It was expensive in every other city. There were $15 Travis Scott tickets in Carolina. That is ridiculous. I paid 30 in 2017. Yeah, even that's even that. I would have killed. to. I've seen him twice, and I still haven't financially recovered from it. But nevertheless, that was a fun little way to get started into things. But now 
let's hop into the things that we actually need to talk about. The New York Rangers, Will sort of alluded to it to start off the segment, and he was unfortunately right. It's been a really rough, I'd call it three, four weeks of New York Rangers hockey, just all over the place. And the crazy thing is, I think it speaks volume to truly, though, how unprecedented of a start they did start the season with. Because you're looking at several weeks of some of the more ugly performances we've seen from the New York Rangers this year. And nevertheless, they still sit atop the not only the the Metro, but the Eastern Conference, 28-14-2, 58 points. They're first in the Metro. So it's, I guess, Will, I'll ask you just because I think you're – Rangers fandom would provide kind of an interesting uh, approach here. Does that start make you feel any better? Like the fact that like there are struggles right now and there's still been a little bit uglier play in these past few weeks, but nevertheless, like the strong historic, you could even say start from this Rangers team still has you guys in a position where you're sitting atop the Metro right now. I think it, it gives me a small sense of comfort in that there's, a, a bar that the Rangers can reach for to get back to. And I think in these past few years, um, you know, they've been in the playoffs, uh, I think the past two or three years. I'm not sure if it's two or three, but, um, you know, I think that this is in out of all the, those years, this has been uh, at least their start has been the best they've been these past few seasons. Um, I don't think they've ever been just atop the entire NHL like that. So that's a good sign for the Rangers, but as we were talking about a little bit before the show started, I knew this was coming. This comes every single year at some point. And it's weird because I don't think they were ever this good for this long during that stretch or this bad for this long um, as far as the past few weeks go. So I don't know what they, they're doing over there. It seems like it just sudden everything suddenly went south. I don't know what it exactly is. Um, Igor has been a little bit shaky throughout the whole season as well as their their defense um but i think their defense especially over the past few weeks and i think it's everything's really caught up to them so I, I i don't know what they need to do but something needs to change this team needs to get it together i think well first off i want to point out when jack was sending us the rundown for this week uh wrote that they are starting to look like themselves again yeah uh it's the defense is on fire yada 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 yeah uh, that really aged well point being yeah i think <laughs> look at, I, I deserve no i deserve being put on blast i just that. thought i'd say it because i thought it was really funny it's the last time i read the new york post yeah. Wow. Well, okay. But um, I, I think the issue that we've seen over these last couple games is their problem with momentum and how they have been able to try to recover goals back once they're down. And I think they've really struggled with that. They have become too risky and reckless with their decisions. Um, and they're just making stupid decisions on the ice at some points. And I think while um, at one point you could switch up the lines and you could do that. I think that coaching has to step in here and really kind of put their foot down and decide, okay, listen, we need to take a pause for a second because they are jumping in after they're down too quick to try and regain the momentum and everything, and it's already passed. There's nothing they can do. Right, and I think, you know, let's let's rewind a little earlier in the week to what I guess what I was referring to when I said that they were – a little more on fire, as I think I said, for 
how they're playing defensively and just all the way around. So Capo Caco returns to the lineup, Matty Bamante's favorite Ranger. Um, for all the for the viewers who don't know, Matty had me in a secret Santa this past holiday season, and she got me a pair of Capo Caco socks. It was the funniest <laughs> thing I've ever seen. It was the most random Ranger that I could think of to be put on a pair of socks, and maybe maybe Barkley Goodrow would have been more random than that. But they didn't either have way, them. yeah, exactly. Either way, it was one of it's my favorite pair of socks now. It's the greatest pair of socks I've ever owned. I've been You're mocked welcome. a lot for having holes in the bottom of my socks, so you helped me with that issue too. Anyway, Capo Caco goes down with a scary injury in November. I was at that game, and it was a tough loss against the Buffalo Sabers, and. First of all, people were pretty surprised with how quick his recovery was because it looked like a really ugly injury. It was a tough collision near the boards. They ruled it lower body. Had to do with his legs. It was not obviously a good scene for him. They, you know, the rehab and health has been an issue across the board for the Rangers. There was a point where they had to call up Louis Domingue from Hartford because Igor Shesterkin and Jonathan Quick were both injured. How often do you see that happen? But on top of that, you got Philip Heedle, who's still on the IR. But Capo Caco is their most recent. Returner, he returns on Sunday versus Washington. They get the two to one victory. They split a home and home with Washington. They had a tough loss, three to two. Which Maddie, as you mentioned, them struggling when the pressure is on, struggling with momentum. That game was a perfect example of that, where they really owned the Washington Capitals for two straight periods, and then Capitals just owned the third period. There was no real momentum on the Rangers' behalf at any point. In fact, the only scorer in that game was Adam Fox, who got a pair of goals. He was the only scorer. So Sunday, they beat the Capitals. Tuesday night, they whooped the Kraken 5-2, to two, made a very, just stomped all over a very, very good Seattle Kraken team. And who scores their first goal since returning from injury? Honestly, I'll let you answer this one because it was a little birthday gift for you when it was your birthday, who was that that scored a goal in his second game back? It was my favorite Ranger, Capo Caco. Yes, it was. Capo Caco scores on the Kraken in the second game back. The pictures of him and Mika celebrating were adorable. I loved it. They both looked so happy. But, Will, I want to get your thoughts about just before we get a little further back into the talk about the struggles, I want to get your thoughts on um, the return of Capo Caco, especially just having a sort of a quick return. He was very present in the game on Sunday against Washington, comes back and scores a goal on Tuesday against Seattle. He eases right back into his top-line spot. They send Wheeler back down to the third line. I just want to get your thoughts on what you've seen out of him getting right back on the ice for the Rangers, clearly making some noise pretty quickly. How how, how have the Rangers been missing Capo Caco? I think it's important, but it's also at the same time important to know that he is not going to save this team at the same time. Um, I'd agree. I think I think that he's going to be a solid piece. I think he's going to be a well-needed change in that first line away from Blake Wheeler, um, who sometimes just looks really old out there. And uh, I think Capo Caco is going to be something different. Obviously, a recent number two pick. Uh, we hope that he continues to score, um, you know, some more goals because I think that's going to be necessary to continue to push the uh, the Rangers forward. But you know, it's always nice to get a good player back. Um, but I think that the Rangers right now looking at Capo Caco in this return are go- are hoping that he's going to be better than he was before because some people are saying that if he doesn't start to look like a number two pick over the rest of the, the course of the rest of the season, he could end up being traded. Yeah, and I mean, look, when you have a spot on the top line of a team, right, that's a high expectation. That's supposed to be your most athletic guys. 
it's supposed to be really your your best point scorers, which hasn't really been the case with the Rangers team this year because that second line has been unstoppable. But when you look at Cabo Caco returning from injury, I think it does a couple things, and and I'll pass this off to you, Maddie. Uh, I think one of the things that just as I've watched the team is in the beginning I thought people were too harsh on Blake Wheeler just because he's a little older in age and you know he gets moved up to the top line and it kind of surprises you a little bit Um, and it does end up turning out that yeah he scores a couple goals he had a couple goals the other night against Seattle he actually had two against Seattle the other night one was an empty netter Um, but at a certain point you got a guy in his mid-30s playing on the top line who was just kind of a normal, not normal, excuse me, kind of a random acquisition in the offseason. Did the best he could, um, but I think, obviously it's too early to call right now, but I do think it is a really good thing for the Rangers to have their young guy back so you're not relying on a guy in his mid to late 30s who's been banged up, who's shown that, yes, he can do you know hold, hold the position when he has to, but has shown that his pace of play might not match, let's say, his line mates of Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider. It's got to be relieving for the Rangers to have their young, fast, shifty second overall pick back on that top line aiding those two. Oh, 100%. I think that speed definitely plays a factor in it. And you look at what's going on as we go into talk later in the show about the Islanders, you see the firsthand effects of a team messing up their lines and shifting things around. And I think this it is unfortunate that you have a an old 30-something-year-old guy, 37-year-old guy, sitting there on that line with two amazing point scores. And I just don't think that this has worked out for them, albeit um, it's great to see Capo Caco back on that line to be able to get back into the swing of things um, because there are still other glaring issues with the Rangers that are the problem. They struggle on the penalty kill. They struggle on everything like that. And I think the having more speed in that in that line in that lineup is just much better for them rather than a Blake Wheeler who is just much slower and not like you said not at the same pace of play as some of these other players. And bringing up a bringing up special teams is a great point. Actually, I'm glad that you brought that up because even the Rangers who had a league leading power play even since I think they've had for most of the season because the first couple weeks of the season it was the Devils who had an insane power play I think Jack Hughes had that crazy start where it was like 17 points in however many games it was like eight or nine games and um, you know so it started off with the Devils having an unbelievable power play and then it slowly shifted to the Rangers having a lead leaguing power lead leading excuse me power play <laughs> league leaking jesus um so you're seeing multiple aspects of the game where we're starting to see the rangers come back down to earth a little bit because even i believe it was since the i want to say it was since the st louis game i think it started around the st louis game maybe a game or so within the last week and a half or so they went on a streak of like i think it was converting on three power plays in 24 attempts or mm-hmm. something like that. So it was a crazy drought. The only goal last night against Vegas in a 5-1 to one loss was on the power play. It was Mika having a beautiful goal from the left side on a power play. They couldn't even score at even strength. They need to have the man advantage last night. So let's shift now because we've talked about some of the more positive things. Let's address the elephant in the room because like we mentioned to start the uh, segment, it is a bit of a skid right now. Last night, five to one loss. I had the disfortune of watching it. 
I thought it would be a much better game. Lou and I were both really excited. We were like, West Coast game, we'll stay up. That's a couple hours of sleep that I will not get back. Um, five to one loss, as I said, empty net goal. So, you know, it, it got to desperate measures, had to pull Igor, not Igor's best night. But I'm starting to see over and over again that this isn't, you know, some of these shortcomings are not on account of Igor Shosturkin. Yes, this is not the season that he has hoped for. But what I will say is I have been to some Peter Laviolette press conferences in the last three or four games where he, they have been asked, was this good for Igor? You know, he had a game, you know, the Washington game this past weekend, gives up one goal. People are like, is this good for Igor's, you know, mental? Is this good for his confidence? And Peter Laviolette mentioned, like, listen, Igor is a competitor. Igor is someone that holds himself to a high standard. Yes, this isn't the start of the year that he has hoped for. But Igor, I mean, uh, Coach Laviolette was also very quick to, I, I wouldn't say throw them under the bus, but to point out that the defensive play in front of Igor so far has been less than impressive. You have Adam Fox, who since coming back from injury has not been as efficient of a scorer on defense as he usually is, is racking up penalty minutes. You have Keandre Miller, who's been less than impressive, has even said it himself, had to take a break for some mental health um, you know, mental health maintenance. I'm happy that he was able to do that. It's been a tough season for him. He says it's not the season that he's hoped for. So you're seeing these sort of up and down patterns with the Rangers where, yes, they're atop the Metro. Yes, they're winning a lot of games. But there's these weird, ugly losses in between where they don't even look like the same team out there. They're being run right out of the ice. As you mentioned, momentum has been a big issue. But one other thing that I kind of want to shine just a bit of a light on do you guys think that this team, and, and Maddie, I'll start with you, do you think that this team is a little bit too reliant on the top six? Meaning, like, you know, you obviously, Kreider is New York's baby. Like, everyone loves Kreider. He'll, he'll be a Rangers Hall of Famer when he's done. Mika, up and down, but still reliable guy. Kako, back in the lineup, young. We just talked about it. Exciting to get him back on the first line. It's the second line that's done everything for this team this year. It's been our it's been Panarin being one of the most efficient scorers, if not the most efficient scorer in the league. Vincent Trocheck, who has been one of the best I think the second best faceoff percentage in the league, has set up uh scoring opportunities left and right. And then Alexi Lafreniere, who has really had a bit of a resurgence this year, is not quite still to the first rounder status that I think he can be or should be. But it doesn't seem like there has been that much more to write home about as of recently from this Rangers team except for those top six. I agree. I also think, especially like with the offensive positives that I have seen with this team, their defensive shortcomings are so glaring sometimes in some of these games that I, I can't understand why something like this is continuing to occur without being fixed. I mean, you you look at the <clears throat> excuse me, the Thursday game, yesterday's game. And that was the eighth time this season they gave up two goals 30 seconds apart. Like, the defense, and, and there were moments in that defense that looked awful. Jacob Truba made an awful defensive play that led to the second goal. Everything that we're seeing defensively from this team is very wishy-washy to me. And I think I would agree. They're too reliant on some of these um, top six guys that are really, you know, the momentum bringers for. And then the second you bring the momentum back down and you rely upon the rest of your um, team the rest of your lines, it's just not the same anymore, and I think that's become a big problem. All right. 
I have a lot to say. All right, go, no, <laughs> so, go, by all means, dude. So, Jack, when you last spoke, you kind of went over, you know, some of the different players. I'm going to continue that, okay? <laughs> and let's really analyze what these players are good at and what they do. All right, Chris Kreider. He's really good for deflections, and he's really good in front of the net. Other than that, not too much. Mika Zibanejad, sometimes he's, most of the time this season, he hasn't been that great. Sometimes he shows signs of what he was last season. He had like, I think, 91 points or something on the season, but now he's nowhere close to that pace. Only really uh, scores from right on the left side of the net. Kapokako, you got a former second pick who hasn't really developed Artemi Panarin, we're most grateful for the fact that he shaved his head, I guess, and now he's just lost his mind. <laughs> um, Vincent Trocek, fantastic on, uh, on face-offs. Lafie, basically what you said. Uh, and then in terms of after that, I mean, there, there really isn't, again, like like you guys said, there isn't too much. Um, I wouldn't even say the Rangers are super reliant on that first line other than two of those players for their power play in terms of Mika and Kreider. I mean, we don't get too much uh, five-on-five production out of that. And then in terms of, you know, uh, the third and fourth lines, the best thing about those lines is uh, Sam Rosen's Benito, Benito, Benito call. <laughs> um, and then as far as defense goes, Adam Fox sometimes just get, gets moved uh, around like like he's a traffic cone. <laughs> you got Lindgren, who's just a punching bag at this point for other teams. Truba, who's really physical, but, I mean, boy, he has trouble sometimes making good passes, accurate passes, and uh, <laughs> I don't ever want to see him take another shot because I... <laughs> The amount of shots on goal he's had is really bad for the amount of shots that he's attempted, which is not too much as a defenseman, but uh, please, man, I I don't know. And then Jonathan Quick, who's slowed down a little bit. I hope to see some more games out of him. And then Igor, I think we all know he could play a little bit better. Um, I think some people are saying that he's still recovering a little bit from his injury. I'm not sure about that. Um, I don't think that has really been publicized, so maybe that's part of the reason why this hasn't been exactly the season that they want. But I think that it's it's unfortunate because this team is, uh, I think defensively they're better on paper than they have been, and just on the ice they just haven't been there. You they you, you could just replace them with college players, and I don't think anyone would notice. And then offensively, the second line again has been has been great. I I hope Lafie becomes better because that could really turn this second line into you know the you know a, a real force to be reckoned with. And I think at that point that should be the first line. Um, and then the the rest of the offense, like please just produce. I don't know what Blake Wheeler's still doing out there. Like you're you're thirty some year old. You get hop into a fountain of youth or something, please. Or 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 we we need a replacement because. This Rangers team up and down need need this something needs to change. Right. I mean, look, I I I agree that there are some inconsistencies in the way in which the scoring is distributed across this team, the way in which chances are distributed across this team, the success at 5 on 5 amongst different lines and and defensive combinations on this team. I really think the most the most the players that have disappointed me the most this season i will go through it right now so i'm looking through like i'm literally looking through a chart of lines right now Kreider has been great on the power play have we seen more out of Kreider? yes do i think he's disappointed me no has mika disappointed me actually no as as far as will since since november he's been one of the best scorers on the team he was one since no he had a he, he you are right in saying he did have a slow start actually 
might be later than November. I believe since December. It was a really hard start. He had a slow, slow start. He also had a point, though, however, because I remember I was at about four or five of the games amongst this span. He had a point where he, I believe he was at 13 or 14 points in nine games or, or eight games. It was something along those lines. Mika, yes, has not been the producer that he is known to be. But I'm talking about players who have flat out who are holding the Rangers back. I don't think that Mika in any way, shape, or form has held the Rangers back. I think that him and Kreider, what they haven't done at 5-on-5, they've made up for on the power play. That doesn't excuse 5-on-5 play, but you get what I'm saying. Kako, sample size is too small. Scores in the second game back, that works for him. That's great. Cool. Panarin speaks for himself. Should be, you know, could win, could be a heart winner this year. Trocek can't say enough about him. Lafreniere, better than he's been before. Again, I haven't listed anyone yet that I think is holding anyone back. Will Cooley, rookie campaign. I've liked what I've seen out of him. Gr- uh, gritty kid. You know, may it may take a while for him to develop the tools to become a real efficient scorer, but until then, I've liked what I've seen out of him. He's even gotten some double shift reps in the last few games. I've liked that. Johnny Brodzinski, it's hard to even judge. I don't, you know, love what I see out of him only because I think it's few and far between the efficiency, but he was also called up from Hartford when Tyler Pitlick went down. Wheeler, I will agree with you. That's just it, it, he's an old guy, right? You have to you have to look at him as more of a maturity signing, um, as more of a leadership signing. I think if anything, I don't think he would be the focus that he is right now if he didn't have to serve that first line spot. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, like I mentioned to Maddie, like it's a big ask of somebody of his age and experience to be like, yo, hop on this line with Mika and Kreider while while Kako's hurt. You know what I mean? I think that sort of flashed a light on him that he deserved. He didn't play up to what he should have, but I think um, you know it. It, it was a bit intensified by the fact that he was playing a role that I don't think he's necessarily made to play. It's the fourth line that I'm just like, what the hell are we doing? VC scores every now and then. But really where I'm looking is Nick Benino, who is not fast enough to skate with this team. I, I really have not been excited with what I've seen from Nick Benino so far. And on top of that, Barkley Goodrow, I saw an Instagram post the other day on um, my Explore page, and it was it was a very random list. It wasn't like a real, like you know, hockey outlet, but it was true. Like the, the math was true. It was most expensive players per shot on goal. It was like how much guys are being paid. And it's like what you're paying for every shot on goal they produce. And it's not a list you want to be on. Cause it means you're getting paid a lot and you're shooting nothing. And Barclay Goodrow was in the top 10. It was like, they take your, they take your, uh, they take your salary. And, and like I said, like average shot on goal. And he was in that top 10. So my point is, there are players who I think they're, they're I, I guess you could call absence has held the team back a little bit. Um, I think there's been a lack of consistency amongst the lines as a whole. As far as the defensive pairings, Jacob Truba, you mentioned the, the, the shot being a little iffy. I'd agree with you, but it's again, I don't like I don't see that as like his purpose. He was, you know, I was at a Rangers game about a week ago where there was a message on the Jumbotron. He was the only player in the NHL with 95 block shots and 95 hits. He's an effect. He is a effective defenseman. Um, it's tough. You know, Keandre Miller, he said he hasn't had the season that he's, uh, hoped for. He's right for that. The only player that's impressing me right now is Braden Schneider. I think Braden Schneider in his last few games, defensively, defensively, excuse me, has looked phenomenal. 
that was a lot of word salad. My point being is there's really only a few players that I see holding this team back. I don't think I blame one particular player as far as the team struggles, though. I think the team struggles are in the name team struggles. I don't think there's one person that you can blame for the way in which this team has been losing games last few weeks. I would agree. I think that the issues that I have mentioned, I think, are really team based and a lot of like coaching that has not been addressed with the team. But now it it really it to me have a lot of players had glaring issues. Yes, 100 percent. I just think that overall there is something that is not being addressed and you're seeing these defensive shortcomings every single other game. And it's just unexplainable at a certain point to when is it going to be fixed because this team is still phenomenal, like on paper. It's literally just the problems that we're seeing because we're looking at them under a microscope at this point. I also just have one more thing to add. Right. And we're going to end on you because we got it. We we um. We got to move on to where we're, I was just told by our producer, we're near a half hour. That okay. I did not realize. No, no. Say everything you got to say. Don't worry. You're not in a rush. I think that this team has too many players that are one dimensional. I think that this team, if they worked on their, if each player worked on his weakness a little bit, this team would be much better, right? I think if Mika Zibanejad could work on not just being deadly from, you know, close range on the left side and if he could be deadly from a few more places I think that would really help him out I think Chris Kreider if he could better be better in five on five and be less of just being known as a power play force I think that would really help the team I think that you know and I agree with what you said about Truba I was just making a little bit of fun earlier but I think that if I, I get what you're saying though if Truba could have some more accurate passes accurate shots that would help the team and I think that you know, you know, guys like Panarin, Trocek, and even Lafreniere, they, they're not known for, you know, one specific thing, right? Because Trocek, yes, he's known for his face-offs, but you've seen him score. You've, you know, you've seen him facilitate, do different things. He's been a walking assist the whole season. Exactly, and that's just what I'm hoping to see out of a few more of these players. I want to see Adam Fox be a little bit better, honestly, both o- offensively and defensively. And then I want to see Ryan Lindgren not just... You know, I respect the fact that I think you guys have seen how many physical hits he's taken this season and all the respect to him, but I would like to see him dish out that same physicality back. Definitely an interesting assessment of Ryan Lindgren. I do I do agree with the assessment that he does take a lot of a lot of tough hits. He is known to be um he is known to sort of I wouldn't say he's a traditional enforcer. I don't think he gets in enough fights to be considered yeah, that's enforcer. That's true, I think. Um yeah, uh, you, yeah, true was just your your hard-nosed defensive uh captain. I would have, you know, that's a that's a good uh comparison. But look, there's a lot of season. They're just past the halfway point now. And like I and like we mentioned in the beginning of the segment, the Rangers have played have had a rough couple weeks almost a month probably, and are still atop the Metro. So it does speak to the kind of run that they went on to start this season. But, you know, more more than anything, these these next couple games are really going to tell the tale of, I think, how the fans react to the New York Rangers because you've already seen some nerves. I mean, hell, Will couldn't even get a few minutes into the show without saying, oh, my God, we <laughs> suck. Um but I think right now you got a huge road trip, and that was a sour start to a road trip. A 5-1 loss to start a West Coast road trip is not ideal. 
But the one thing this Rangers team has done several times, and I know because I've been in the building at MSG for a few of those losses covering them, is they've played some lights-out games bouncing back from tough losses. They, they, that ugly Nashville loss in the beginning of the season was low-key the turning point into the team that they are now. They went and swept a West Coast road trip after that. So it's, it's all on tomorrow night when they face the, the – I almost said Sacramento Kings. Wrong sport. <laughs> Los Angeles Kings, excuse me, at the Crypto.com Arena, which I hate that so much. It's the Staples Center. Come yeah, on. I know. Uh, tomorrow, 10.30 p.m. That's going to be a good game because the Kings are a good team, and it was a gutsy win over the Kings uh, at MSG earlier in this season. So that's all for Rangers talk. That's honestly going to be the bulk of the episode today because that's really the most burning topic in the tri-state right now, but we do have to check in with our friends over in Elmont on Long Island, and that is the New York Islanders. But but, but first, before we get there, one more thing I just want to point out from the Rangers segment. Everyone said the Philadelphia Flyers are in a rebuild year. They, they, you know, awful team last year. John Tortorella comes in, former Rangers head coach. This is supposed to be a rebuild year. And they trail the Rangers by two points. They have 56 points. They trail the Rangers by a game. That's insane to me. We'll talk about that at the end of the episode because I will be looping that in in, in a certain way. But to Long Island we go. The Island is calling. The New York Islanders... Honestly, if look, well, if the if the Rangers suck right now, which I I I you know, that's an oh that's an understandable assessment. If the Rangers suck right now, then I don't want to know what the Islanders are, because the the New York Islanders have been less than impressive in these last few weeks, and it's been an up and down year. You had around the month of December. You thought this was a brand new Islanders team. All the fire, all the fire Lane Lambert heads. I know that's your that's your that's your your favorite non Rod Brindamore coach, Lane Lambert. Um, <laughs> am, I, am I right? No. Damn it. All right. Cool. Never mind. Anyway, we, so we we move on from that. The Islanders are nineteen, fifteen, and ten. So. Technically, if you total all the losses together, they're 19 and 25. Not pretty. <laughs> um, they've lost three straight. They've lost four of their, I'm sorry, six of their last seven games. And the big sort of glowing issue, which they have actually since fixed, it, I actually did read this, um, and it will be in play for tonight's game against Chicago. We're going to talk today about what they did over the span of these last couple games that they have lost, that honestly, hindsight is twenty twenty was really stupid. And that is, they broke up a top 10 line in the NHL. Um, now, for the beginning of the season, it was really exciting to get to see the New York Islanders, at least in my opinion, because you got to see Matt Barzell and you got to see Bo Horvat hold down a line together. Bo Horvat was obviously acquired last year. It was a big blockbuster move. They get him from the Vancouver Canucks. It's a big deal. But here's the problem. When they acquire Bo Horvat, Matt Barzal is hurt. He spend, he misses most of the second half of the Islanders season last year, comes back for playoffs. They get one playoff series together. That's the only series because they lost to the Carolina Hurricanes, actually. Um, yeah, now, they yes, they did. The Paul Stastny, I hate him so much. Anyway, so... This season was exciting because you're getting to see the first full regular season, normal regular season 
of Bo Horvat and Matt Barzell side by side. A an established, you know, bona fide star that comes from Vancouver and is trying to bring his talents to the East Coast and help this Islanders team become a real competitor. And young Matthew Barzell, who has been a stud for this Islanders team the last few years, Calder Cup winner, or Calder Trophy winner, excuse me. And then they start the year off exactly how you would expect. A phenomenal, basically most of the offensive production of this Islanders team is going through this Lee Horvath Barzal line. Now on January 9th, this is where this uh, bleep show starts, Casey Zizekas goes down on January 9th, lower body injury, and obviously Lane Lambert, who is just beloved right now amongst Islanders fans. They're just, yeah, exactly, a little hard to do. Um, he has to decide what to do now that one of your main centers on your team, in Casey Zizekas, a veteran presence, is gone. He's hurt. He's on the IR. Well, actually, no. No, no. He d- actually, <laughs> yeah, that was really up, that was up, a really ironic slip up. No, he didn't get placed on the IR because that would have been the smart thing to do. That would have allowed you to have called up a couple of players who were already on the brink of a call-up. You could have called up Carson Coleman. You could have called up uh, Otto Cavulia. You could have called up Kyle McLean. You could have done something kind of like how the Rangers have done this year and have seen success from it. They've called up, I think, five or six different players from Hartford during— they even called up a goaltender from Hartford when they had goalie injury issues. But for whatever reason— the New York Islanders instead elected to not put Casey Zizekas on the IR and instead just alter their lines. Because what could go wrong, right? So they decide to separate Matt Barzell and Bo Horvat, move Barzell down to the third line. And after doing that, the Islanders proceeded to go 1-3-0 and and score just seven goals in four games with just three of them over the final three games of that span had an atrocious loss in Nashville, one of the ugliest games I've ever watched. And other than one four-point game from Matt Barzell, outside of them being separated, he was held pointless in three straight games without playing with Bo Horvat. Horvat only got one point in that span as well, and he was a minus one. So I feel like when you look at a situation like this, you just kind of reap what you sow, don't you? I just, I don't get it. It's like when you separate two friends in class and you put them on opposite sides of the room and you, you like, you think you're going to solve the problem and then you just make the problem worse because they make more friends and they try to like do other things. It's an interesting analogy. I like that. And it, I just, I don't, I don't get the under the, I just, I really don't understand not using the IR in this situation at all. I really don't. And I, I don't know what Lambert was thinking because there were tons of other options. You've mentioned probably the the easiest one. Call somebody up. I don't know. Like, I don't think anybody can logically explain this other than it was some. It was um, Lane Lambert trying to pick a new idea, thinking they're going to like fix all their problems, and they just made them worse at this point. You know, it's interesting that you brought up that uh, separating two kids in class because I actually had that happen to me one time. <laughs> my teacher mo- decided, my French teacher, I think it was 10th or 11th grade, decided to move me across the classroom from all my friends. And because she was like, oh, you're a good kid and they're all bad kids. I went from being like an A student or something like that to not giving a bleep and mm-hmm. everything just sank from there. See? And yeah, exactly. Will Jing is living proof, guys. 
And then here goes the Islanders doing the same exact thing. And I was at that game where Matt Barzell did have the four points beat reporting. And they did win that game over the Toronto Maple Leafs. That was a sick game. Yes, but let's also be honest. The Leafs have been one of a few teams that have just been trash lately. Yeah, they have not been good. Trash. And it's weird because I feel like a lot of teams have started to fall over the past month. Vegas had a poor stretch. The Rangers, the Leafs. Um, the Panthers are on a two-game skid right now. So um, a lot of teams, the Kings, of course. So I feel like uh, that's a little bit odd. But, you know, so you have to put this win over the Leafs into perspective because it's not a super impressive win. Like, the only the only team they've beaten in the past few games is, like, the Flames. And that was by a goal. Well, the, the you're, you're, you're correct in saying that the Leafs are on a skid. Yes, you're right. Like, they've had a, they've had a, re, they've had some recent struggles. But the the Leafs are Leafs are having a I, when I when I seconded what you were saying more in the recent context of they've had a rough span of the last few games. The Leafs to me that's a big win for the Islanders. That's one of the that's one of the top three teams I think in the Atlantic right now. Um, but I no no but I do hear what you're saying in the sense of like look it's it makes this stretch of games look even worse for the Islanders when like. You can't even celebrate a game over the Leafs because they're playing other teams who are not good and are getting steamrolled by them. Exactly. That, that's just my point. And I think the – it looks like – you know, I'm looking at the line charts. I think the Islanders did reunite Barzell and Horvat in right. the two games after. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I think more recently against Winnipeg, they decided to separate them again. They lost that game, and then I think they play – they play tonight against the Blackhawks, so right. they're again on, again on separate lines. So if they lose to the Blackhawks, you got a real problem. Right. So as of right now, they re they reunited that top line because you saw how atrocious the results were when they were not together. So Anders Lee, Bo Horvat, Matt Barzell, back together. Kyle McLean, they did end up calling him up. They did finally make the call. Again, I think this is more what Maddie and I were getting at is that like this was so avoidable. Like you like this is several games too late. This could have happened multiple games ago. The Bridgeport Islanders, shout out Sambor. Um the Bridgeport Islanders are not a good hockey team, but have had prospects on the cusp of a call up for a while now and we've known this. Um so Kyle McLean will be making his debut tonight in the fourth line center spot, which is really exciting for him and I hope it works out well. Partially to make the move look dumber. Partially to make the move of Horvat and Barzell being broken up look dumber. Um, But I think I'll I'll, kind of give my my parting thoughts on this whole situation. The Islanders are a team, and Lou and I, Lou Orlando and I were talking about this the other day, that the Islanders have been a team that have had to win on account of their grittiness. Um, They are another team who the distribution, we were just talking about the Rangers, it's the same thing with the Islanders where the distribution of production has not been the same across all lines. It has not been the same across even their goalies. You have Igor. Igor. I am I am tripping up everywhere. Ilya Sorokin. You have Ilya Sorokin. Two two goalies in one city. Both have four-letter names that start with I. Like, what are we doing here? Um, both Russian, right? Both Russian as well. You're so correct. Your substitute teacher era. Exactly. You're completely right. Um 
Ilya Sorokin, not the year that he's hoped for, but also again, there's a there's a scary amount of parallels between the Rangers and the Islanders when you really think about it. You have two star goaltenders who haven't had the starts of the year that they've wanted, but have also not been benefited from the defensive play that's gone down in front of them. But you have Noah Dobson, who's been a bona fide superstar for them all year, um, and has been really making the case for being the best player on the team. But no, the the thing that Lou and I were talking about the other day is that it really does tell you or speak volumes to, I should say, the imbalance of your team and the struggles of your team when your team clearly shows such a shock from breaking up one line. Like, you, they broke up two. They didn't even break up the whole line. They moved one player to the third line and moved one player from the third line up to the first line. That is all they did. And they go 1-3-0, and oh, and then both... The players that are your stars, who you broke up, their stats also reflected. They, they like Bo, Bo Horva had one point in five games. That's insane. That's not how he plays. So, again, I really hope that they learn from a situation like this to not touch lines that you know are working. Scramble up the lines that are weird. Scramble up the lines until you get a feel. That's what the Rangers were doing. Vincent Trocek was on the third line to start the season. He's now centering the second line and, like we said earlier, has been absolutely outstanding. Touch your lines that you know are weird and you, and you don't know what, what the case with them may be. Don't break up your line that's majority of your scoring. And it doesn't help It doesn't help Lane Lambert's case. You should see. I feel like I have to shower after reading the comments that Islanders fans put about Lane Lambert on social media. It is insane. It's insane. Fire Lou. Fire Lane. The the one I saw. To, and I'm honestly, I'm actually nervous. They're playing the Blackhawks tonight, who are the second worst team in the entire NHL. If they lose, I literally think Long Island will detach from New York City and just float <laughs> yeah. away, and it'll just blow up. I don't even, like, unless you have any guys have any parting thoughts, I'm just like, what the hell, Nick Palmer? No, honestly, I feel bad for Nick Palmer, but not really because he didn't wish me happy birthday, so. What an absolute jackass. I know. I can't believe it. He, you know what? You know what? I take back everything I said. Split up Horvat and Barzi again. Nick Palmer deserves it for not wishing you the happy birthday you deserve. Yeah. Nah, all jokes aside, any parting words on the Islanders? Uh, I don't even know what you would call this. Suck fest. Um, just hopefully they, uh, for their sake, they beat the Blackhawks tonight because you're completely um, right. <laughs> yeah, you're. If you can't beat the Blackhawks, that you've essentially put yourself in the top three worst teams in hockey probably because basically even the rangers in this horrible skit that they've had they've beaten the blackhawks okay so you better be able to do it too or uh, those comments listen man this is new york there's a lot of mean comments out there on social media about both hockey teams especially now that both are sliding so if you're uh if you're the coach you definitely want to avoid that now, as we mentioned, the Islanders do face off with the Chicago Blackhawks on the road tonight at 8.30 p.m. Now, before we finish with our last topic of the day, uh, just want to give a quick shout-out because we don't really have a segment on them today. There's not a ton of uh, news going on. The New Jersey Devils do play the Columbus Blue Jackets tonight on the road at 7 p.m., and that that should be an interesting game. You... Put that hat down, dude. You 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 are getting way too comfortable back there. 
you you wanted you wanted me to take your devil's hat out here, and we I I I was. This is why he's not behind the mic right now. I was gonna say there is a reason you are working the boards right now, Mister, and it's because you came here in a devil's hat. Hey, hey at least it's not a hurricane's hat. Guys, I, oh. didn't, I, I didn't show up in that. That that would be much worse. I didn't show oh. up in that, but now I know what I'm gonna wear tomorrow at the, at oh. the, <laughs> the event. We got some friendly fire. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Jesus Christ. But no, shout out Tucker Austin for you know, holding it down on the boards. Great kid. Enjoy working with him a lot. Now, uh great transition actually, the fact that the Devils are playing the Columbus Blue Jackets into our last talking point. This is gonna be a quick thing I wanna talk about, more just because it's sad than anything. Like I actually do feel bad. Like I kinda wanna give this guy a hug. Elvis Merce Lickens, the goalie of the Columbus Blue Jackets. He requested a trade earlier in the week from the Columbus Blue Jackets. And we're seeing a really, really, really awkward scenario. Now, he is in the midst of a five-year, $27 million contract. That's normal for a household goalie. If there's one thing that you can expect across most hockey teams, it's a fat contract for the goalies. A lot of a lot of your wings and defensemen, unless they're your staple household guy, you're working with them. You're having all sorts of one-year deals or two- to three-year deals. You know, you're paying them year to year. And But goalies, if you can find your guy, are positions that get locked down for time, for serious time. So five years, $27 million contract. It's about a $5.4 million AAV. It goes through the 26-27 season. So there's still a few years on it to go. He requests a trade from the Columbus Blue Jackets. There's one problem, though. In order for a trade to work, there has to be another team that wants you. <laughs> and poor Elvis Merce Lincolns has not yet found that team that wants him. Um, this is one of the most awkward scenarios I have ever seen because it sounds like he's been respectful about it. It sounds like the the Columbus Blue Jackets front office has been very respectful about it. It seems like everything, it doesn't seem like there's bad blood or a hatred of the Columbus Blue Jackets that is, uh, you know, motivating his departure. It does seem like perhaps, you know, he's not loving the way things are in Columbus, thus requesting the trade. But it doesn't sound like there's this dire, like, get me out of here now, other than requesting a trade. He goes in, he plays a phenomenal game against the Vancouver Canucks on Monday. They beat them 4-3. to three. Teammates were backing him up. Teammates were celebrating with him. It was an emotional win. The fans were backing him up. It was a home game. He stands up in a, in a shootout and absolutely backs up this Blue, uh, Blue Jackets team. Huge win over one of the best teams in hockey. But I just want to get your general thoughts, Maddie. I'll start with you on what you think when you see a situation like this one. Is it kind of what you get as a goaltender when you sign these big contracts that like you run the risk of that contract not wanting to be picked up by another team is this like what you would consider eventually going to be a problem in the league or do you think this is just a one-off like maybe play better next time bud kind of situation I just think he has a really weird contract I when I was reading into like what it, it breaks down to it's like he has three years remaining there's like a five million cap hit. He has a ten team no <clears throat> excuse me no trade clause. It's just a really awful contract for another team to pick up. Like no nobody in their right mind would really want something like that. Um, there are a couple teams that could be desperate enough to want him down the line, but 
I think it all chalks up to whoever decided to formulate this contract for him should really be at fault for something like this. Hey, man, for our producer back there, maybe the devils are desperate enough to... (laughs) So that has, like, that has been a conversation. There's been a few conversations that have that have gone down um one of which there's a lot of oilers fans that want to give up uh stewart skinner for uh elvis merce lincoln's which how he's playing right now like if we're looking long term like the last couple seasons merce lincoln's is a has been a better goalie in fact there's been a lot of jokes on hockey social media The, the the jokes against stewart skinner are relentless he gets torched um but in terms of how they're each playing respectively this season, Elvis Merzlikens is not. This is part of why his contract isn't getting picked up. He's got a three twenty two goals allowed on average right now, and a nine point a point nine oh six save percentage. So, not the season that he is hoped for, which does not help in the season that you're requesting a trade. But like you said, Maddie, it is a weird contract and it's an expensive contract. Goal. It's just. I think what's stood out to me and has been the most awkward about this situation is the fact that no team has wanted to pick him up and pick up his contract in a season where goaltending has never been worse. Like there have been there are several teams that would kill for a new goalie right now. You got the San Jose Sharks who have Mackenzie Blackwood as their goalie. That man got run out of Jersey because he was so bad. Like I just said, Stuart Skinner, trash. You got a couple of there are multiple cities. Who really Elvis Merzlikens might be an upgrade, but it's just it's that contract, man. I don't know. I don't know what. I, I've never really seen a scenario like this. Most of the time, there's even small players, not heavy contract players, who request trades and get picked up. I think that goals, uh, that goals on average that he allows. I think part of that is due to the fact that Columbus's defense is not great. You know, I think that yeah, not, Columbus is not a good team. You know, a ninety-plus save percentage is 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 really not bad. I think it's actually a little bit above average. So I think teams should uh, look into him, especially if you know, especially if you're Edmonton. I mean, that's probably your one weak spot. I mean, I it's you can very well make the argument that if they had a better goalie last year, they would have beaten Vegas in that series. So I think that there's definitely teams. That oh, goaltending absolutely lost in that series. You're right. Yeah, so, you know, and because every one of those games was an absolute shootout, especially when uh, I think it was Brassois who's actually on the Winnipeg Jets now. When they uh, when he went down and the, and Vegas turned to Aiden Hill at the beginning, I think it was very shaky, and uh, Edmonton took advantage of that offensively, but defensively just wasn't there, and that's on the goalie. So I think there are teams that should look past the the three plus goals allowed. Uh, per game because of the fact that he's on a bad team that has bad defense. Um, but it, but then again, I don't. I'm not sure what those ten teams are on that uh, on that no trade clause. But uh, maybe that's got a got a factor in it. I, I think I think it absolutely. I mean, ten teams is a lot. Like that's a lot of teams that that are now taken out as options. That's almost half the league. Um, that's just short of half the league. So. Actually, it's a, it's about a third of the league is what it is. So that's that's a lot of potential suitors that are taken out because of the no trade clause. Listen, a storm was brewing when they made that contract, and there's a chance he could be a Carolina Hurricane because Ronta is so bad that I think they could use something at this point. Not saying I like my team, just saying that that's how, a possibility. How's, how's Freddie been playing? Like, goaltending is just not the Hurricanes' strong points my, at this point anymore. My question to Rod Brindamore last year that got <laughs> put on Bally Sports. By the way, rest in peace, Bally Sports. Rest in peace, Bally. Not really, though, because I Are they getting saved? 
No, I mean, I'm not like rest in peace, more like rest in piss. I don't really like that. Oh, yeah, no. But, no, no. I'm, all right, I'm glad we're on the same page. I lived out in Detroit, Michigan, and we had Fox Sports Detroit, and then which was a wonderful network. I watched. Love Fox. I watched, uh, you know, Tigers games. I watched uh, uh, Pistons games. I watched all sorts of stuff on Fox Sports Detroit. And then it rebranded branded to Bally Sports, and it sucks. No, Bally sucks. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, but, no, I mean, Freddie Anderson. My question to Rod Brindamore last year was about Freddie Anderson, so he's, he holds a special place in my heart. Um, but, no, Elvis Merce Lincolns, I hope you find a home soon, dude. I do feel bad. It's an awkward position. It's like one of the dogs in the shelter that's been there for a long time that's just keep getting posted Jesus, on the adopt. making like, me feel more, like, yeah. sad You're just making it worse, Maddie. <laughs> oh, Sorry, my guys. God. I feel, just thought of it. I feel worse. For, it's like an ASP. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's what she would sound like if she smoked camels every day. Anyway, for three years and five million dollars, you can get a home too. Jesus Christ, <laughs> I am hoarse. That was a good one. I like that. Thanks. All right, we're gonna close on just a quick little round the horn. Uh, before this episode went live, Will came to us with a pretty good idea. It, 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 he did remind us it is the halfway point of the season. Just about, we actually just passed it. So. We all came to the show today with one team who were kind of just feeling, look, they're a lock for the Yoffs. Get ready for them. They're going to be trouble. And then we also came with another team who's a little more middle of the pack, hasn't really established themselves just yet as a dominant force, but we think could be a dark horse Stanley Cup playoff candidate. So we're going to go around the horn, guys. I'll start with you, Will. Give me your lock and give me more of your dark horse. Okay, so my lock is Winnipeg because they've just been fantastic in five on five. They're below average in power play and penalty kill, which could end up getting uh catching up to them in the playoffs. But right now, I mean, their goaltending is great. Uh, Connor Hellebuck, and then they have uh Brassois, who's the original starting goalie of the reigning champs, the Golden Knights, each with you know a, a ninety-two plus save percentage. They've got ten players with twenty plus points, nine and one in the last ten. They don't have, you know, a weakness. Because some teams, I was looking at standing, some teams really struggle on the road. This is not one of those teams. So I had the Winnipeg Jets, who are probably going to make a deep playoff run. And then the middle of the pack, I don't I don't know if this is really middle of the pack. Um, they, I guess they were more middle of the pack a little while ago. They still are if you look at just their point total. Um, but the Edmonton Oilers... Because they they're on a twelve game winning streak, which uh, I the think revival that's has been unreal. Insane. They were like bottom of the league not too long ago. Great power play, solid penalty kill. The, as we said, their only problem is really their goaltending. Um, you know, Stuart Skinner is not a championship goalie, and that's something that needs to be fixed if they want to make a Stanley Cup run. Um, but Connor McDavid and, and Leon Draisaitl are just insane. And I just brought a backup in case. People are saying that that is not really middle of the pack. Maybe now they're really above. Uh, they're above middle of the pack. I'm gonna go with the Hurricanes as the the other team that's kind of middle of the pack because they've lost a couple games lately. But you know, this is just. I feel like it's a it's a similar situation to the Oilers. You know, goaltending is a problem. Uh, and then they have a great power play and penalty kill. Uh, they're known for a super aggressive and good forecheck. But, again, for them, it's just goaltending. But I think both of these teams, with some better goaltending, can potentially be Stanley Cup uh, finalists. I like both those picks. Madeline. 
So I did agree with you on that. I did put the Oilers as my slightly above average just because of how they've been. Um, just coming back from like a 2-9-1 <laughs> start to the season and now they are here I think is great. You, like It's just been so good to see them kind of um, in that kind of Pacific region finally dominate and really get in there. My middle of the pack um, – so this team really gave me new year, new me vibes. <laughs> um, and while there's a lot going on in the news right now with uh, a Zamboni driver um, and <laughs> the situation with some some drainage, um, <laughs> I really like the Red Wings right now. And I think that um, December was awful. December was not good for them. Really bad. Really bad. But now starting off 2024, they are 6-0-1. and I think that they have picked they have picked up points every single game that they've played, and then five of those games were against opponents that would qualify for the playoffs today. I think that they've made a lot of strides here. Maybe, probably not going to be a substantial threat down the line, but I think what they're doing right now and shaking things up has been very impressive. Um, they won against Florida the other day, and that was, I think, how they have been great they have been beaten 10 times straight by Florida so this was a nice change of pace for them and their third line just looks great so I think the Red Wings for me have been kind of that dark horse that have just shut, kind of snuck up for me I love the Detroit Red Wings so I'm very happy that that was the pick you made and I think it's so fun getting to see Patrick Kane and to uh to bring it playing together again I think I never thought you would see them reunited after Chicago, which I think getting this, they were just electric together. So Detroit's been fun to watch this year, but I do agree with you that uh, December was really rough, and their Zamboni and their Zamboni driver has to stop pissing in drains. All right, look for me. I'll give you all right. Look, I'll just say it out of the way right now. My lock is the Boston Bruins, but I can't stick with that because I'm a Bruins fan, so I don't want to like do that. So we're gonna say that's implied. Yeah, it's Get, boring. Thank you. I Give me the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks have been absolutely dominant, and I mean dominant. Um, it's tough to overlook the uh, goaltending play that you have gotten from the Vancouver Canucks this year, and that all starts with the man, the legend, and I mean the legend Thatcher Demko, who, by the way, I lost in fantasy hockey the other day because Thatcher Demko had a shutout and it got the person against me like 20-something points. It was, re- no, not 20-something points, like 13 points, I think it was. Anyway, besides the point, it's really fun this year seeing the Vancouver Canucks and all of Canada be a really good bunch of teams this year because we were talking about just before the show the country of Canada it is their sport it's supposed to be and a Canadian team has not won the Stanley Cup since the 1992-1993 Montreal Canadiens but no and all jokes aside Vancouver Canucks have been a dominant team this year they came into Madison Square Garden and stomped all over the Rangers Um, they're a force to be reckoned with I love them I think they're a really fun team to watch um, and Quentin Grimes of the New York Knicks has a half-brother that plays for the uh, Vancouver Canucks, which is kind of crazy. Um, as far as my middle-of-the-pack team, give me the Washington Capitals. Just give me give me the Washington Capitals, dude. 
25 and 15 right now. They trail. Look, the Rangers have 58 points. The Capitals have 50. The Capitals. The oh yeah, you're pointing to your Devils hat. They've stomped all over you guys this season. That is exactly why I believe in them. This is what's supposed to be a rebuild year. The OV is like 97 years old. There's I don't care. I don't care. They've they've gone through the tri-state. Yeah, the Rangers beat them the other day. They have gone through the tri-state and have stomped on every New York team. I, I that's fine. You know what? They play better when Ovi doesn't play. I I don't care. We'll address that later on. I'm not picking them for the Stanley Cup, God forbid. But I'm going to tell you what. They have impressed a lot of people this year. They were not supposed to be this good this year, and everyone knows that. And they have. I, I just have to say it, man. You're wearing your devil's hat all proud. They have pissed all over you guys this year. So give me the Washington Capitals as a dark horse Stanley Cup playoff contender. You are just a little Tom Wilson apologist, aren't you? Oh, Jesus. Don't even say that. You. I'm, all right. All right. All He's right. He's the reason I hate the Capitals. <laughs> He's Jesus. the reason everybody hates the Capitals. By the way, by the way, I hope you understand that what I did was very bold because at the end of the year, we like to pull up the hot and cold takes from the season. So if they don't make the playoffs, I am screwed because this will end up on the last episode of the year. Yeah. Do you want to say I love Tom Wilson while you're at it? <laughs> No, but what I can do is take the uh, do you want to say and while you're at it out. And yeah, then I know, just, I know uh, you'd do that. You're screwed because you're, you, you just said the, the, those words in a straight line about having affection towards that rat. I mean, <laughs> I'll I just can. I can just edit it, too. I don't know. <laughs> AI is a thing now, dude, so dude. <laughs> you're going to deep fake me saying. <laughs> yeah. Tom Wilson and Racco Gudis should have a competition for most hated player in the league. Biggest goon in the league. Biggest <laughs> goon. My name's Tom Wilson, and I start fights. Such a jackass. He, he's always, anytime someone gets brutally injured or like really badly hurt in a game that the Capitals are one of the teams, Tom Wilson is right there. Lou and I talk about it all the time. He walloped Johnny Brodzinski the other day, made him all bleed all over his face. It was, ah, uh, But... On that note, on a really enthusiastic note, that's about all for today's episode of Five on Three. Watch as much hockey as you can this weekend when you're not watching NFL playoffs. I love hockey, but enjoy the divisional round this weekend because you got some great games headed your way. But thank you very much for listening. This has been an episode of Five on Three, WFUV's podcast for all things NHL. For Will Jing, Matty Bamante, I'm Jack Warner saying so long, and Tom Wilson is a rat. Oh, and uh, Rupe Hints. Rupe Hints. Is a good guy, not a rat. <laughs>